You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Moultrie Mobile. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up to the minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first of its kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to Maximize Your Hunt the podcast dedicated to those who want the most out of their hunting property. This podcast explores land management, habitat improvement, and hunting strategies that will help you maximize your time in the field. Follow along as industry professionals that live and breathe white-tailed deer share their secrets to success. And now, the founder of Whitetail Landscapes, your host, John Peter. Hi, I'm John Teeter with Whitetail Landscapes. This is Maximize Your Hunt. I have Steve Shirk on the line. Steve is from uh, Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, and Steve has been a contributor to our podcast, and we're going to talk about sheds today. Steve's a big shed hunter. I know a lot of people love hunting sheds, as do I, when I have the time, and I really kind of had a chance to kind of dig into his process a little bit, and, and we're kind of going to explore that in a discussion. Steve, uh, are you on the line? Yep, I'm right here. All right, man. How are you, Ben? Good. How about you? I've been pretty good. I just got back from uh, a trip, a four-day trip. I was out uh, west and doing some property management design work. I love some of these other states. It just makes me uh, (laughs) kind of wish I wasn't in New York at times, uh, particularly in my area. (laughs) I see some really good hunting and, you know, just flying across the country, you get to see a, a lot of these just big woods, big opportunities. People have such great deer hunting the quality is incredible you know and taking a guy like you and i and putting us in those locations i think it'd be a deadly combination we should probably <laughs> we, we should probably not get invited too too frequently to those areas but unless somebody hey. wants to invite me and steve out there we'll we'll go we'll we'll hunt with you anytime you want so uh what have you been up to I'm just, you know, postseason scouting, doing some shed hunting, uh, you know, typical typical stuff for me. Um, I think you might have known, you know, we just uh, build a new house, so I'm still kind of getting settled into there. Yeah. Snow is finally melting up this way, so I'm starting to feel the, the, the spring coming in the air, and just I love this time of year. Yeah, me too. And uh, I got a quick shed hunting story, and I want you to laugh at me. So I, my daughter, okay. my, my daughter and I, 
I went for a ride, went down to my land. My land's about a mile from my house. So we took the UTV down to land. Her and I were going for a ride. Had no intention to do any scouting or anything like that. We just want to go for a ride. We had probably about a foot of snow on the trails. And it's a little bit much for my machine. So we're trying to get up this hillside. So we get up to the top. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I was thinking I was going to have to bring the tractor over to pull me out. And all of a sudden (laughs) here, the thump, the thump, the thump. And I'm like, oh, must have you know, must've got a branch stuck underneath the chassis. And so I got out, I'm talking to my daughter and I see an antler sticking out of my front tire. I'm like, wow, you gotta be, crazy. yeah, you gotta be kidding me. You know? And wow. imme- immediately I, I know who the buck is. It's a buck that she named as Frankenstein. And so Frankentines, I guess we can call him now. Cause he stuck me good <laughs> in the, <laughs> the tire. Wow. That's awesome. I've seen that happen, you know, like you see it on social media, yeah. but I, I, it never really seemed possible, but apparently it happens more often than what <sighs> you might even think. Yeah, so apparently the deer like to drop their, their antlers uh, on, on trails to, to ensure like a, a road trap for, for, you know, guys like me who aren't paying attention. You know, I was just happy to get up the hill and then, you know, I get, I get, <laughs> I get a nice present in my tire. So I had to patch that and I was on my way and... You know, uh, of course, you know, shed hunting season right now is wide open for our areas. We, you know, my area, we, the last little bit of snow is coming off the hillsides. The north slopes still have some snow, but it's, it's on for us. This is, you know, the guys have been doing it for months. This is just the time where I actually have good accessibility to areas. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of in the place where if I get time, you know, the next couple of days, I might sneak out and, you know, hit 50 acres here, 50 acres there, and just kind of, buzz through them but let's kind of get into your process and things that you think about because i know you're you're strategic and you're hunting sheds your hunting sheds kind of like not like you hunt deer but kind of the same way you're kind of targeting a specific animal and and you kind of try to go after his sheds let's let's go through your process yeah i mean um it really is kind of like what you what you mentioned you know it's like you get after hunting season and you get a little bit bummed out like you know you just miss you miss deer hunting and you miss hunting some of the deer that you know you were hunting all season so i always said it's kind of like a uh, second chance effort as far as you know hunting or shed hunting a particular buck so uh, that's kind of what i do is i you know i first you know try to figure out what bucks made it after the season and then uh i try to just as if i was hunting them you try to uh figure out their patterns or habits travel routes and you know shed hunt them and i mean it's not quite as good as uh when you kill one but it still feels pretty good when you use strategy and you know your skills and knowledge of scouting a particular buck just to get a shed to me it's 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 almost similar and pretty close to as if you kill them so i have a lot of fun doing that I think the way that you just described it, and this is kind of needle in the haystack for a lot of people, you're trying to find a shed for a particular deer or a set of sheds potentially, and you're targeting its location based on that time of year. I mean, really, that's not much different from deer hunting in that sense, whether you're trying to put, put that deer in a specific location. One of the things I think in the Northeast, and uh, sorry for you folks in the South that are listening to this, is I deal with really heavy snow loads, as does Steve at times, and that yep. sometimes tends to congregate deer, and that may change their locations where they reside. So you, you have to be in tune with their their daily movements. And, and some particular bucks, for example, 
will congregate with does in areas and some won't. I've seen yep. them having diverging personalities and, and that kind of changes the way that they you know flow through the landscape and where they reside. Uh, what's your familiarity yep, exactly. with that? Have you had similar similar observations? Yep, yep I've seen that. And it, it to me, it seems like a lot of mature bucks are more stubborn than, you know, your typical average age class of deer. Like, you know, if winter does start to get kind of bad, you'll start to see, you know, a lot of does and younger bucks, like, down lower and, you know, in the valleys and the pines and the hemlocks. But it seems like the mature bucks don't really want to do that or even like hit the south slopes they wait until it gets just so bad that they don't have a choice i think they they have special places where you know i always say security is kind of like a buck's number one need they have certain areas that they they don't want to leave and uh it really takes a lot for them to leave those areas and it just seems like uh every year i'll notice like you know all of a sudden you know a ton of deer start moving down and i think that's a mistake also that some shed hunters make you know especially hunters that that maybe rarely find big sheds but just find a lot of smaller sheds and numbers of sheds it's because sometimes you're seeing like a ton of sign in these yarding areas and you're like geez you know there should be some big sheds in here but a lot of those mature bucks even some years if it doesn't get quite bad enough they don't even go into those areas they stay more secluded and you know, it really depends on the severity of the winter. So this is an interesting thing. I, I have a client, and I will not mention his name, but he's been a very good client of mine. And for the past couple of years, I've I've been working on his property with him, and he is notorious for finding sheds. And on his small 65-acre property, he's found 13 sheds this year. And I'm absolutely, absurdly, like, obsessed with not just, you know, the process of finding sheds, but how we've actually designed the property to focus deer late season, and he can do an yeah. inventory. I mean, he, he loves it. And the other thing I want to say is, as a result of that, what we're finding over time is those deer congregate in that area. He actually steals deer. I feel like he steals deer. Deer end up <laughs> being on his property that weren't there the following year in October and November, and those deer wow. were on his property in the wintertime. So just an interesting tidbit, you know, a bit anecdotal, yep. but I have seen that happen, and, and he's creating this late-season deer suck. And um, yep. something something to consider on your property, you know, maybe you can build it, and, and we probably want to kill the deer more, but if we're trying to get deer... You know, we're trying to inventory deer. That there is, you know, there are strategies to to employ on your properties, whether it's thermal cover, an assortment of food, uh, limited pressure, just kind of how you design it and set it up where the winter severity is is less impactful on that landscape where you can yep. suck those deer in. And I think there's something to that. And and we're kind of playing with different strategies with that particular client. I, getting off topic, but. You know, I thought that was oh, pretty I, impressive. Good thing on, to touch on. Yeah, 65 acres, 13 sheds this season. I mean, he's doing it. <laughs> the past two years since I worked on it, we went from no sheds to I think he had 12 or 13 last year and 13 this year, and he has not invited me out this year. So if he listens to this, you know, you better invite me out in the next couple of weeks because I'd like to give you a hand. <laughs> so, yep, uh, and uh, like I always say, next season should be starting right now for most hunters if not even sooner so knowing uh you know what deer made it uh, especially bucks you know in your area you get such a better jump on you know knowing those things this year than 
waiting till summer and fall because there's no saying for sure that some of those bucks will even appear, you know, early next fall or even throughout the summer. And at least now you know that they're most likely still out there and you can start to develop a plan and strategize for next season. Steve, I want to get in your process. And I, I think people struggle with this because I walk into the woods sometimes and immediately I'm thinking about habitat improvement, how to thicken up areas. You know, I'm thinking about just the landscape setup and changes, and then I forget, oh, I'm here shed hunting, and and I'm trying to balance those two, and then I'm scouting on top of that. So I'm scouting, I'm thinking about design, and I'm shed hunting. I've got all these things going on, and I know you're not doing the manipulation piece of it or, you know, the habitat side of this thing, but you are looking at habitat. You are thinking about hunting. You are considering the scouting piece of this, and you're balancing trying to find, you know, uh, that golden antler in the same, you know, same tone. How, how do you kind of like phase your mind? So you're doing, uh, well, I guess maybe you have to select what you're doing at that day and time, but how, how do you kind of go through the process of looking at it? Yep. You know, I, I'm not someone that finds a ton of shed. Some people think I do. I mainly find, uh, I mainly find bigger sheds, but I really think the reason why is because I am constantly observing all those other things that you mentioned, and most of my visualization is, is like further out. You know, I'm always looking 20, 30, 50, 100 yards out for all those different things and even, you know, watching for deer and, and signs. So I think I go by a lot of smaller sheds that, that uh, you know, don't stick out from that far of a distance. But I, I think uh, I would rather miss out on finding some of those small sheds that, you know, I'm not able to pick up and make sure that, you know, this time of year I'm taking advantage of, you know, all that postseason intel. So I, I, I really don't think it's uh, any, anything I want to change, nor do I think it's uh, a bad habit to try to just focus on sheds. I think uh, when you're out there this time of year, it's very important to, uh, you know, keep your eyes up more than, constantly down at your feet because there's just so much that you can gather this time of year that you you can't really afford to miss out on that do you have conditions crossed you know the landscape that you say okay you know obviously snow is an impactful thing and sometimes that like i said earlier confines deer but do you have weather conditions that that help there you think help you find sheds in 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 the woods yep i i always say the worse the winter is the better the shed hunting is going to be. It's going to be a shorter season because it's going to take longer for the snow to melt, most likely. But when you have a really bad winter, that's when you have those yarding scenarios. And like I said before, if it gets bad enough, those even you know mature bucks, they will go into those yarding areas. And uh, especially if you've learned where those areas are at from year to year, you can you can really have a blast you know shed hunting it it might only be you know a a month or so of of good you know prime shed hunting because it's most likely going to be closer to april until a lot of that snow melts and then you know you probably have green up in may but it can be a really good short season in that situation so a really bad winter often you know will concentrate deer more the more milder the winter in my opinion at least in the big woods where i you know where i shed hunt it seems like the 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 bucks and deer in general will move more. Sheds tend to be more spread out, and you find them more sporadically. So in some ways, you know, a bad winter can definitely 
be helpful to shed hunters. So one thing I, I, I try to do, and this is similar to the scouting process, is I'm marking location. So when I, I find a shed, uh, whether using, you know, whatever app you're using, I, I actually use a, a GPS. I have a Garmin. And I use this for same for my clients. I mark all those locations, and I create a repository of sites now. I didn't do this in the past now, so I can go recheck those locations, but a lot of times that seems to be weather contingent. You know, a few years yep. ago, we, we just got this this heavy burst of snow. We had two, two or three feet of snow on the ground, and they were headed to those dense canopy thermal evergreen areas. And, of course, those just happened to be adjacent to a winter rye cover crop that they had planted. And, you know, I found a couple sheds in that area. You know, it's just kind of an example where the weather can come confined deer as i said earlier but i think keeping a repository could be a a helpful thing it could speed up the process maybe i know some people in you know open field settings i work with a lot of clients in agricultural areas they get on the utv or atv and they pick you know kind of cloudy overcast day and you know they got their binos and maybe sometimes you know their whole family goes along and they can really kind of hit a lot of areas and be efficient uh, of course, sure. it may seem a little bit lazier in a UTV or ATV, but you're a lot more efficient. Then you get into woodlots, and, and then you have to walk those. Um, anything yep. like from a like from a an environmental standpoint, we we kind of hit on thermal areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any conditions like localized landscape conditions that you're looking for on the uh, you know on in the properties that you're evaluating from a from a shed standpoint? Uh, any like cutover, south-facing slopes, north-facing slopes, anything stand out in your mind of how to, how to attack sheds on the landscape? Yep. I mean, there's always areas that, you know, are better for shed hunting just because the habitat is more conducive to, you know, a deer's needs, you know, that time of year. I think when you can have a good food source available, if it's somewhat of a bad winter and it's, you know, more south-sloping, especially southeastern slopes because we kind of mostly have like a prevailing west wind even in the winter time i mean we'll get some north winds but even a lot of our you know colder weather is like northwest so on that southeast side of the hill tends to break up a lot of that wind but yet still have less snow more warmth more sunlight so you know if, if you can focus on those areas um clear cutting on those sides of the hills and then you throw in some evergreens mixed in with that anytime i find a spot like that there's always sheds in there um but the thing about me is you know i have zero control over uh of any any of the landscape i can't create food plots any deer habitat it's you know it's all public land so you know i just have to get kind of lucky and hope that i can find those kind of areas so you know it really some areas you know i really struggle to find sheds in just because it's a little bit harder to uh to, to pattern the deer when the habitat might not be, you know, the best for winter doesn't mean that sometimes those deer completely leave those areas, but it's just a little harder to, to figure, figure them out. But like I said, those, those Southeast slopes with a, you know, with a food source nearby and some evergreen or clear cutting, those are just, that's like the, the absolute perfect uh, big wood shed hunting area that I've found. Yeah, great explanation. And of course, you know, if you do have late season food, like I had mentioned earlier, you know, whether it's corn, beans, uh, winter rye, that early spring green up. And again, it depends on when these deer are casting their antlers. 
You know, that, yep. that's the thing that, that's variable. You know, if there's injuries or uh, they're malnourished, you know, those type of conditions have impacted them. You know, basically how, how the, the science of it works is the, the antler develops through the season. Eventually it hardens, it calcifies. And the connection really between, you know, the, the pedicle and the, the antler, that there's an obsession line. And, and that starts to, I guess, demineralize. That's probably the best way to explain it. The calcium is not as available in, in that connective point. And essentially the tissue breaks apart. And sometimes, you know, we've seen this where they're fighting and, and of course, you know, two deer are going at it. You know, the antlers will pop off. Sometimes they'll spar late season. I've seen that happen. I've seen yep. a video on that recently too, which I thought was kind of cool. But, you know, their, their antlers are going to shed uh, or ca- cast at various times. And trail camera data can be helpful I think a lot of people do that. I have a tendency to pull my trail cameras out a certain period of time because, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think more it's a damage thing. Uh, I, I, don't, sure. I don't want them to freeze up in the wintertime and, and just, just not last as long. But, you know, if you got your trail cameras out there, you're going to have some data, uh, hopefully on a deer herd, and, you know, kind of assess, you know, when they're dropping those antlers. And if a deer drops, sometimes guys will say, I want to wait till the other antler drops. Well, I, I'm of the opinion if an antler has dropped and you're aware of it, that deer may travel three miles in some yep. other direction and, and drop his other antler. You may be out of luck. So if you have good yep. intel, I, I think you should jump on it. I mean, that's my opinion. Yep. Oh, and I'm I'm crazy about running trail cameras during shed season. Most of the biggest sheds I've ever found have been related to getting that intel You know, on, on trail cameras. I, I look at it this way. I mean, if you're using trail cameras for hunting deer, they can serve the same purpose as shed hunting because uh, knowing, even knowing where that deer might have been wintering, maybe you didn't even see uh, the the time frame from when he had antlers, then all of a sudden he didn't. But just to know that you're in the zone of his wintering area is a huge factor, you know, getting trail camera intel and will lead you to a good starting point. And uh, I... Uh, I, you know, I totally, I'm totally fine with, with, you know, how you said, you know, you like to pull a lot of your cameras because they aren't cheap, but I'm just, I'm, I'm so obsessed with, with finding sheds that, you know, I take that risk and I, I pull very few cameras just because I'm trying to get as much intel as I can this time of year for shed hunting. Yeah. And, and you have a business surrounding it. And of course, you know, that's, that's yep. important for your business. So let's, um, Let's get into a scenario. I, I know you've already been successful. You've found some big sheds this year, and, and those sheds sometimes tell a story. And I want to go through yep. your process of finding a shed, and once you find that shed, what story did that shed tell you in your mind? And, I, you know, I think, that, I think that's important for the audience is when you find something, you find this golden nugget, and taking the time to assess that. Uh, a couple years, I'll give a quick example. A couple years ago, I walked into an area and I found a, a, a double set, a double set. I first, now let me just explain something really quick about my area. So I, I approached, uh, we don't have large deer populations. Uh, age class is, is not of the utmost focus. A lot of these land managers around me, n- nobody's managing deer. So my pyramid of deer, I don't have a lot of big bucks. You know, I'll have one or two in that four and a half age class range across a few thousand acres, so two, two, three, four thousand acres, kind of in that range. So that kind of sure. gives you an indicator of the areas and the, the type of deer I'm dealing with. So a lot of times I'm finding smaller sheds, and a lot of times those 
bachelor groups or those deer are congregating up again. The bucks, the younger bucks, I, I see them have a tendency to do that. So I stumbled yeah. into this area and I found this set of sheds. Of course, that leads me to believe the deer lived. I knew that they were frequenting, you know, frequenting that, that time of year, those particular areas. And I was assessing the area for habitat. And I was looking at it from the standpoint of, okay, it's got adjacent food. This neighbor's cover cropping. You know, these are the features. They were getting some protection. You know, the terrain feature was protecting them from, you know, the predominant winds in the area. You know, it just, it kind of laid the course of, okay, the density of cover was adequate. It just had a lot of good features that the deer would probably use during certain times of year and particularly hunting season and actually like a mid-October time of year. And so happens to be, I ran a trail camera in that area and those same exact deer, the ones that I found the double drop, they were in there in October, strangely enough. Like, so the (laughs) irony of that situation, you know, kind of proved to me that some of these like landscape features in addition to the habitat and vegetation related can be a major driver for their interest and don't think because you found a shed in a location um, doesn't mean that that isn't intel for the next year sorry steve that was my example no i think that was all great (laughs) some great advice and i can just touch on that i try to base when i find a shed like okay was this in a wintering area or does this seem more like a fall or like natural core area because you know, in most cases, and you know, the northern states uh, especially, you're going to ha- have, you know, wintering areas and fall, you know, areas just based on weather conditions and habitat changes. So uh, many times, you know, when I find a shed, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is, okay, does this, is this deer living here most of the time? Or, you know, does this seem like more of a wintering area? Now, uh, one of the biggest deer I've ever killed... The season before I found a shed, like roughly a couple miles away, you know, I got a couple random pictures of them, but never really, you know, figured out where the deer was, you know, mainly living and uh, never really got to know them. But then, you know, that spring I found one of his sheds and, you know, just that's when the lights came on and I said, "Uh uh-oh, you know, this seems like just the perfect, perfect area where this buck would be living, especially in the fall. The the sign was there. you know, I found good bedding and just seemed like, you know, seemed like I might be on to them. And then sure enough, the next season came and first day, this was uh, in New York, actually. And first day in New York gun, I went in there and I shot him. So on the on the same ridge where I found the sheds, basically almost within sight of where I found or, you know, found the shed. So if it hadn't have been for finding that shed, I guarantee I would have never, uh, never killed that deer. And, you know, where I hunt in New York, similar to what you're seeing you know there's some big deer but there's there's not a lot of them and that was the only you know shooter in that area that i you know that i was hoping and praying that i would see so you know once again finding that shed was just uh an absolute uh killer uh as far as making that deer's life come to an end that season that's exactly what led me to that spot that's a great story. Good, good connecting the dots there. What about anything else? I mean, I, I did see you found. Oh, I think I remember seeing a monster shed that you had sent. You know what? What was the story there? That that was a recent find, I believe. Yep the the big one, the biggest one I found this year was uh, a buck that I call the Big Eight. It has just about almost a fourteen inch G two on it, and uh, but that was going into the shed season. That was kind of like my number one goal to shed hunt that deer and I basically you know 
set up on him as if similar to as if I was hunting him. You know, I could put about 15 or 20 cameras out just in certain areas to try to to try to dial in on him. And uh, it was about the end of January, um, and I went in there on a camera check, and he. He had been, you know, I had been getting a lot of pictures of him from right after gun season, you know, right up until that point in the end of January. But then all of a sudden I get a picture of him with just one antler. Um, and even better than that was uh, his, it, it was fairly recent, and his tracks were still in front of, front of my camera. So what I did was I backtracked. Um, I backtracked him probably about 1,000 yards into this bedding area, but unfortunately, we got, you know, a really, really big snowstorm, a couple actually back-to-back, like mid to late January. So the snow was still really deep. But I said, as soon as that snow melts, I'm going to hit that bedding area, you know, where I backtracked in. Because I had a feeling that he probably dropped during those big snowstorms. And it was in like a, you know, a real good patch of evergreens. It was a southeast-facing slope, just prime spot for, you know, for a buck to to go during that kind of weather conditions and literally you know it was just a few weeks ago or whatever you know we got it finally got a good meld off most of the snow had gone at least on the south slopes and i went in there and just about where i quit tracking him you is exactly where uh, he dropped his antlers uh if it wasn't for running that running those cameras hard to say you know if i would have ever found him but being able to the most impressive point of that was being able to backtrack and, and figure most likely where that deer was hanging. It exa- definitely led me to finding that shed. Really interesting story and that the inc- incredible, incredible shed. I mean, I know you posted it online. Yep. It was it, incredible shed. I mean, notorious. Yep. You're notorious for finding uh, needles in the haystack uh, in these big areas. <laughs> You know, some of it, some of it is is luck, right? There's no doubt about it. And then no some doubt. of some of it's having that intel, that little bit of intel and that intuition that you get when you kind of enter these areas. And I, I'm assuming, you know, it, sometimes it's hard to articulate these things when you're looking at the landscape. But in your gut, you knew that deer was somewhere in that area. You just had to find it. And and it's yep. funny the way that 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 came together like that. And I mean, once again, it, it all points back at running those cameras because, uh, I mean, yeah, I know no matter what, I probably knew the general area of where that deer was hanging and, and you know, spending the winter. But, you know, being able to get that picture and you figure, you know, this was in late January, you figure, okay, you know, based on, I think the last time I had pictures of him was about 10 days before that. And he had both antlers, so I knew in that window of time, you know, that's when he dropped. And I actually think that uh, he dropped his antler right, probably minutes before he went by that camera, even though it was, you know, a thousand yards away. But based on how I backtracked, and the antler was pretty much laying right near where I remember his tracks going, um, there was just so much snow, and the way the antler fell, it was kind of... Uh, the tines weren't sticking up; they were kind of just, you know, folded over the the ground. So, I I totally think that he dropped, you know, within minutes before he, you know, went by my camera. So, just a just a key thing for you know hunters, shed hunters mainly to, you know, don't don't always consider pulling all those cameras, you know, after the season. They can be 
tremendous tools, you know, for finding sheds. I have something maybe to, for us to think about in the future on this podcast, and, and I want to end here in a little bit, but mm-hmm. I know that you're probably going to go after this deer. That's the plan, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So I think in the I think in the maybe the next discussion or one of the discussions that we have, Steve, we, we talk a little bit about this deer without giving too much information and details. I want to respect everything you do, but I want to br- break him down. And I think that would be very, very helpful, uh, at least yep. part of the future discussions that we have, because you're, you're in, incredibly detailed, involved in this thing. You spend more time in the woods and an old timer told me a few years ago. I said to him, I said, what's the secret to shed hunting? You know, this guy's got boatloads of shed, and he, he's actually in New York, so, you know, not necessarily the hotbed. And he said, time. Young man, it's time. <laughs> it's just time. The more that you're in the field, the more you're going to observe. So I think for everybody, if you're going to spend time in the woods, you know, you can be very strategic like Steve is and, and have a high aptitude, and, and, you know, you're very, you know, precise on how you go about things, or you can spend time. I think there's a balance of both those things, and uh, I think it's really important to kind of weigh that. And, of course, shed hunting can be just as, I don't know, uh, fulfilling as, as hunting in some capacity. So, Steve, sure. any anything you want to end on or any any key points that you think are important for people to, to take away from this? Yeah, um, I just think that, uh, you know, I know, like, you know, shed hunting is getting to be more and more popular, but there's still a lot of people kind of, you know, shut their minds off this time of year, especially, you know, as they're, you know, as far as thoughts about deer hunting and scouting when I, you know, I've said this before, but I always believe that, you know, the best hunters are dying to get in the woods this time of year. By far, my postseason scouting, and that includes shed hunting, probably leads to 80% of my success going into next fall. Um, it's so crucial, and there's just so much valuable information that you can gain from this time of year that, um, you know, I just I encourage people to really, uh, really pursue. Uh, I know it's not deer season, but it, it really should be. This should be the start of your season right now. So take advantage of this time of year. Get out in the woods. You're, you're going to get so far ahead of the game next season. And then going into next season, you're going to have way more confidence than you've really ever had. Yeah, I, I, great way to end it, Steve. Thanks so much for giving all the insight you do on this podcast. And I kind of, I kind of already leaded us to the next podcast of you know <laughs> some topics we probably want to get into and and having an all season strategy and focusing in the details on a particular deer. But sounds like you're yep. way ahead of the game, and I think everyone can take from this a lot. And I appreciate you being on. And uh, I look forward to uh, talking again. Sounds good, bud. I'm looking forward to it as well. All right, Steve. See you, buddy. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Maximize Your Hunt is a production of Whitetail Landscapes. For more information on how John Teeter and his team of experts can help you maximize your hunt, check out whitetaillandscapes.com.